0: They say money can't buy you happiness, but love isn't free. Welcome to The Cost of Love. In this series, we'll be chatting about the sacrifices, attitudes, highs and lows, as well as the emotional and material price we pay for love. Looking through a child's eyes, you think love is all butterflies and rainbows. But as you grow up, you start to realise that love comes with a little bit more of a price tag. Over the next five episodes, we'll
1: unpack that there's more to love than meets the eye. Whether it's societal expectations, cultural barriers, financial pressure, or just wishful thinking. I'm Kamina. And I'm Kate. And you're listening to The Cost of Love. Brought to you by the New Zealand Broadcasting School. Hello and welcome back to The Cost of Love podcast. Lovely to have you guys with us again. Coming up on this episode, we talk about love hitting you in the pocket. I think quite often we talk about the emotional and time we invest into love, but we very rarely break it down and look into the finances as well. Until today. In this episode, we're chatting to a wedding planner, a bridal store and a jeweller to pinpoint a little bit more of a price tag
0: on love. We also chatted to you guys to find out how much you're spending on dates and how much you would be willing to spend on love. I don't want to say let's get into it, but let's get into it. (laughs) Let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Emma. Lovely to have you join us.
2: Thank you, ladies.
0: After 18 years, what keeps you passionate about helping weddings happen?
2: Uh, People people's happiness more so than ever at the moment having to look after people after the COVID lockdown and the borders been closed I've recognised again how important it is to make sure people are happy with what they've got coming with their beautiful special day and making sure it's not just about the couple but the guests and the family and that's what I love
0: and what are typically the biggest priorities and concerns which couples have during their big day
2: Well, it always comes back to budget, sadly, money talks, and just trying to create the day that matches your budget with your ideas on your venue and what the family want, what you want, and actually negotiating and a lot of compromise and discussion. I always think uh, you can't communicate enough when it comes to your special day.
0: What kind of things influence wedding trends?
2: Oh, definitely overseas. I like to think is that New Zealand, with it's really unusual geography and being stuck in the middle of the South Pacific, we tend to row our own boat with ideas and how we do things. And I think wool sheds and and wineries and backyards are, you know, really great for that.
0: So I've got a bit of a hypothetical wedding plan here. Okay, I'm going to run this by (laughs) you. Okay, ideal Pinterest wedding with hanging lights, outdoor ceremony, Mm -hmm. not in Tauranga, rustic theme wild flowers big wedding but not princessy about 100 guests mm-hmm. fully catered with alcohol flowing freely and a photographer for the day what kind of budget are we looking at there and
2: brilliant that you specifically detailed what I needed to answer because sometimes I'll get well I want a Tauranga wedding or not a Tauranga wedding how much <laughs> is that going to cost I'm going to rip the band aid off and say to you if it's in a venue and not a marquee, probably 25,000, 30,000 if you you can make your own invitations and do your own floral, uh, right the way through to anything up to 50,000, 60,000, 70,000. And it sounds crazy money, but feeding 100 people well. So, you know, look at your venues, maybe you can have it at home and then you can afford better catering and and bring in your own drink and have your own chiller trailer. And let's forget the dress on that budget, so I don't (laughs) know. But, you know, there are great dresses out there at at good prices around Christchurch in New Zealand.
0: Mm, And in that light, what's the most extravagant wedding that you've helped pull off?
2: Budget-wise, it was up there over, you know, I won't you know, over into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Sometimes the big budgets, some parts of the wedding will be, you know, quite on a budget. You don't have to have fancy cars, or maybe it's really your most important thing is having French champagne, so we don't have as much money spent on the floral. So, yeah, extravagant can be all sorts of different things. But coming back, and I didn't really answer it very well earlier, it's quite a good point. Pinterest is your best friend and your worst enemy, Especially for millennials and young couples, please make sure when you look at those that it's just creating the vibe you want, but don't try and flood your own boards with so many images you get completely bamboozled. And don't get too hung up with social media. Remember when those photos are taken, they're taken of just snippets. The most beautiful curated wedding might be very dull if mm-hmm. you, know, you haven't kept the guests well fed, so you know, you just got to think of it that way.
0: Nowadays, is it mum and dad who are paying for the weddings, or is it the couples who fork out for it themselves?
2: Um, Very much a mix. I could probably say half and half. A lot of it, for me, if you have a wedding planner, I guess you would argue that you know you're spending a bit of money on how it's planned so I do tend to see some of the bigger budgets but also smaller budgets Um, it can be a mix it can be a mix of you know the couples wanting to have full control Um, so sometimes it's a third a third a third Mm. yeah so it's very much like anything about New Zealand weddings there's no definite who pays for what it's just what works for you guys and yeah
0: It was quite insightful just to hear from Emma about what we can expect, especially as we're relatively young and perhaps not really thinking about exactly how much we're going to budget for our weddings at this stage. However, it did sort of make me think a little bit about um, these people who I will be Inviting to my wedding? Am I really going to go for 100 people? 50% of them I kind of know, and 50% I don't really know. Kind of like pity invites because they're your parents' friends or they babysat
1: you when you were younger, so they have to come to your wedding.
0: Exactly, and you have to wonder about how you'll feel sharing a really intimate situation with them. You know, you're saying your vows and making your commitment and everything. But do you really know these people? And it also costs to feed these extra mouths. When I think about my wedding, I could probably get the guest list up to 100
1: quite easily with all of the extra invites that we've got. But yeah, you're right. I don't know if I would want to share that super intimate moment with random people that I don't really know. But then also I would want to share it with lots of people. So I don't know. I'm conflicted. I mean, everyone loves a good party, right? Yeah, I think the party's going to be huge. But maybe the ceremony is a bit smaller. Mm. I don't know. I've got lots of planning to do, but um, we'll figure it out. <laughs> What I found interesting about that conversation was how weddings can turn into events to please other people rather than pleasing yourself. I find that there's a lot of pressure nowadays from social media to have the perfect wedding, have the perfect dress, look perfect, be perfect, everything has to be perfect. And also a lot of pressure from family, trying to please your family. Again, what I was saying with those pity invites, lots of people that you have to invite just to please them, but you don't, (laughs) I, I don't want my mum's best friend's cousin's sister at my wedding but you know you kind of end up having to invite people like that
0: anyway. Maybe Um, it's a good reason to have a budget then so you can be really critical and take the no prisoners approach when you invite people.
1: Because I I didn't think 100 people was a lot but then when she said 100 people that's going to be like a $70,000 wedding I don't want to spend $70,000 on a wedding I want to go on holiday. For sure. Very interesting I always say very interesting Interesting. but it it is a lot to think about and we have a few more years to plan but God, I better start saving if I want 100 people.
0: Yep, oh, uh, I might cut down on the takeaways. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, William Arthur Philip Louis. I, William Arthur Philip Louis. Take the Catherine Elizabeth. Take the Catherine Elizabeth. To my wedded to wife. To my wedded wife.
0: Kate and Will's royal wedding was seen by more than 24 million people. And while the official expenditure was never made public, we know 650 guests made it to lunch and they put away 10,000 canapes prepared by 21 chefs. Compare that to your average wedding. Unlike the royals, my wedding in 1994 had 40 guests and we paid around about $700 for mainly fried chicken catering. But let's go back to the start of the love story before we go steady. Maybe steady in debt. What do you spend when you go out?
3: If it was a first date, I wouldn't want to go any more than $60 each.
0: Maybe 40 bucks. Probably go out maybe two or three times a week. In case you haven't crunched the numbers, 40 bucks a pop times three times a week is $6,000 in a year. But how long should you date? How long should you know the one before saying I do?
3: Like for me personally, I'd probably go a good five or six years before I'd start thinking
0: about that. At least like five years. The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge met around 2001 when they were both at uni. They married 10 years later. William was 28 and Catherine was 29. What's your ideal marrying age? Maybe my 30s?
3: Probably in 10 years time to 30, 30 sort of that area.
0: I'd say somewhere between 28 to 32. How old are you at the moment? 25. And did you know if you were 25 in 1987, you'd probably be married by now? No. Go back even further. According to Statistics New Zealand, 1971 was a bumper year for weddings, and the median age for women tying the knot was about 21. Fast forward, and today, most brides are older at 29. So how many couples are getting wed? Well, numbers are going south. Last year saw a national low with 19,000 weddings and civil unions recorded, a marriage rate less than a quarter of what it was in the early 70s marriage peak. And before you rush down the aisle, here's another sobering thought. Last year, 8,000 marriages ended in divorce. But would you still like to get married? Not that I'm proposing. Ah,
3: uh, yes, I'd, I think I'd
1: like to get married.
0: Yes. Yes. I think so, eventually. Well, I watched a lot of Disney movies growing up and all their weddings were so pretty and so I was like, that's what I want. (laughs) And are you willing to pay an average of 30 grand?
3: Not sure. That's a lot of money.
0: No way. (laughs) Not that Kate and Wills had to worry about forking out the big ones, but those are the figures for this adventure down romance lane in Love by Numbers. Amina, do you
1: remember watching Will and Kate's wedding on the TV when it was televised?
0: I sure do. It was in 2011, if I was recall correctly. Was it all the way correctly. back then? Oh my yes. God. We were just young people back then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I remember all of the fuss around the dress, of course. Just a quick fact while we're talking about the dress there.
1: I just looked this up, and Kate's dress cost £250,000, which was 476000 New Zealand dollars. <laughs> Right. That's a whole house.
0: That is. That's a whole
1: house, but a dress. Ridiculous, but whatever. But
0: whatever. I wonder how you justify that kind of spending.
1: Oh uh, Well, she didn't pay for it, the taxpayer
0: did. Oh, priorities, there you go. <laughs> well, continuing on with the Love by Numbers theme, we're actually going to do a little quiz. We have one question each, and we're going to quiz each other and see how good our love knowledge is. So... Kate, why don't you go first? So my question
1: is, how many seconds does it take for you to decide whether or not you think somebody is attractive?
0: I'm going to say 15 seconds or so? Yeah, so you're
1: right, it's three seconds. Um, Some psychologists at the University of Pennsylvania studied data from over 10,000 speed daters and found that most people make a decision regarding the person's attraction within the first three seconds. But that's just physical attraction. We're going to leave the personality (laughs) side out of it because I don't want to believe that the human race is that shallow. (laughs) I was just going to say, yeah. yeah. just physical attraction. It takes three seconds for you to decide.
0: Well, well, well. Yeah, I believe that can be changed, but that's another conversation. That is another conversation. (laughs) All right, do you have a question for me? I do, I've got one for you. Who do you think popularised the white wedding trend? Uh, I have
1: no idea. All I'm thinking
0: about is that Billy Idol song, White Wedding. (laughs) I I don't know. Pass. I have no idea. Um, Well, actually, it was the 20-year-old Queen Victoria in 1840. So during that time, a lot of wedding dresses were made from silk and they weren't necessarily white, they were just... Well, I wasn't there. I can't really tell you for sure. But uh, she popularised the white wedding, and we can see it's still quite a trend even in 2020.
1: Yeah. Wow. It's really revolutionised the wedding industry, I guess.
0: Mm. It has.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well, that does it for our Love by Numbers extension. Uh, next up, we have an interview from a marriage historian. Carmina, do you want to tell us about who that was?
0: For sure. So that is Dr Violetta Gilbert from the Otago University, University of Otago. <laughs> Whatever way you want to put that around. Uh, anyway, I came out of that conversation a lot more educated than when I went in, and I'm sure that you will find that as well. Why do we as a society willingly fork out the big bucks on weddings and symbols of love when they're not necessarily affordable for
4: everyone? Well, uh, love and commerce have always existed in attention. Love and expense are, have a kind of a complicated relationship, but less so when we think of love and struggle straightforwardly in Western kind of ideas, Um, love is supposed to be hard and it's supposed to take a lot of hard work. Traditionally, um, the more you sacrifice and slave for your relationship, the more virtuous and robust it is supposed to end up. Um, So this logic transfers very easily, I think, to the ideals of weddings and the industries that support it as well.
0: Does big spending on your significant other reinforce the notion that for some, love can be
4: bought? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think perhaps not so much that it can be bought, but uh, that it should be paid for. Um, I think the main implication of spending big on a wedding at the end of the day is um, this idea of honoring a relationship and of honoring love. Uh, a couple want to project the enormity of their feelings, um, and their relationship to their inner circle, to wider society, and also maybe one day to their descendants who will inherit their beautiful wedding portraits. So I think uh, not so much that love can be bought, but certainly that no price is too high for love. I think that is the messages that today's big weddings ultimately send.
0: What are people getting married for these days when the institution of marriage has its roots historically tied into political alliance and religious practice? How are we wrapping our heads around love and marriage with more ancient traditions in 2020?
4: A very timely question indeed, Carmina, and one that I think a lot of people uh, our age um, who are kind of approaching the married marrying age are asking themselves, of course, as you said, the roots of marriage are in those royal dynastic um, political arrangements. Um, there was certainly no emphasis on uh, a couple being in love with each other or any such thing. And so of course when we think about these ancient origins, it certainly makes sense to ask what marriage has to offer us. I suppose the other thing I could say is that although marriage does seem quite traditional to us, especially when there's a walk down the aisle and a white dress involved, is that our marriage has decidedly become more modern, um, not only in the last decades either, but in the last century. Um, We've had marital coverture removed. So as soon as women were able to vote in the late 19th and early 20th century, um, she no longer needed a legal identity to be beneath her husband. So she was able to pay her own taxes, maybe sue someone if she needed to. And then of course came divorce. People were able to divorce. Marriage is no longer lifelong. Um, And more recently, we've had the institution open up to um, same-sex couples and also to gender diverse people. Um, so marriage has done a fairly all right job of keeping up with the changing times, and I think that uh, as we come into thinking about our own weddings, uh, hopefully, we'll think about um, our own needs and how how this might play out for us. But I'm sure. Um, you know, barrels of debt and uh, bridal couture is not the only way forward for weddings and I hope that um, people keep that in mind when they think about it too.
0: So how did you find that, Kate? Did you have any big takeaways from that or learned something new? <laughs> yes, I did have a takeaway from that. Um,
1: I, she just gave me a little bit of a different outlook on marriage. I think I always view it as a super archaic Thing and something that is a little bit oppressive of women, you know, the whole giving away of the bride and treating <laughs> her as a piece of property. But what she said about how marriage has come a long way in terms of what it's doing for people now and how it's accommodating of change, I thought that was... Um, Very insightful, and I I hadn't looked at it that way before, so I found that quite cool.
0: Mm, And particularly in the New Zealand context, when we compare ourselves to other countries, I think that we're quite progressive in that sense, that it's very accommodating to a whole range of individuals.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Now that we've spoken to our wedding planner, Emma Newman, we've got a bit more of an idea as to how the planning process works and how much weddings actually cost. But there were two very important details that Emma left out of the budget, the ring and the dress. We spoke to Kenneth Crafted Jewelers in Christchurch, and they said that for an engagement ring, you're looking at taking a bit of a hit.
3: Probably our average prices would be four to five thousand dollars. I mean, occasionally we get them up to sort of ten to twelve, but I would say an average prices four to five.
1: However, it's not so much the budget that dictates the spending; it's more about finding the perfect ring.
3: They will have a budget, but that can always be, you know, they'll go north of that to get the perfect ring.
1: Emma stated that trends and traditions are forever changing in weddings, but what about when it comes to rings? Are diamonds still a girl's best friend? I would say
3: yes, they definitely are, but we also, we're selling a lot of coloured stones. Blue sapphire would be the most Mm. predominant one, Mm. but with diamonds, yeah.
1: We also caught up with Izzy from Paper Swan Bridal in Christchurch, who gave us a bit more of an insight into the price range of wedding dresses.
3: So there are several different price ranges. It kind of depends where you want to sit, where you're comfortable, what you're comfortable spending. So um, in my store, we kind of have three different tiers. Um, We've got the slightly lower, they sit between kind of two and 3,000, middle three and a half to four and a half. And then we have a few amazing designers that go up to seven to 10. While
1: $3,000 sounds like an absurd amount of money to spend on a dress, Izzy says the quality and construction of the dress is where the money goes.
3: I think it's the lace. Lace itself is really freaking expensive. So it's the lace, the cost of the fabric, the sheer amount of fabric required, and then it's the detail, the hand beading, the structure that's built in. So if you imagine if you go and pick a dress from Glassons, it doesn't have a bra built in, it doesn't have the boning built in. And it's made of cheap fabric, whereas wedding dresses, I suppose, yeah, that's why they're more expensive.
1: Although buying a dress online can save you a little bit of money, the risk isn't worth it. And having someone like Izzy who can guide you through the overwhelming process would be a massive help too. Just for a little bit of fun, I asked Izzy if she could pick out a dress for me. She definitely had a bit of a task on her hands as at the time I was wearing a hoodie, jeans, and Doc Martens, but she did an
3: amazing job regardless. So you strike me as somebody that's a little bit more left of center as opposed to classic, Mm. simple elegance. So I'm probably gonna pop you in a bolder lace, maybe with a bit of a different color underneath that shows up the lace. Something a little bit more quirky and rustic as opposed to classic and simple.
1: Wow, that's amazing. That's, that's, that's pretty spot on for what I would I can show you the on. dress if you like. Oh yeah, Come. show
3: me. I would put you
1: in this. Oh my god, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I can't even describe what it is. Is it like a mermaid? It's you definitely,
3: it. it's, it's a mermaid shape um, with a bold kind of eclectic lace that's over the top of a sand lining. It's satin, it's got a plunge neckline that accentuates the waist even more, hugs the figure beautifully with the most amazing low back.
1: Oh my god, I love a low back. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, got there were so many beautiful dresses in Paper Swan Bridal, I have now gained a little bit of an insight as to how exciting yet overwhelming choosing a wedding dress can be. Izzy empathises with all the emotions that brides-to-be can sometimes feel and has offered a
3: little bit of advice for them. My number one recommendation for brides to keep in mind would definitely be come in with an open mind and be true to what they want. To listen to their opinion, what they love and don't listen to anyone else because it's your day, nobody else's. That was really cool, going to see Izzy and Paper Swan Bridal. We
1: kind of dropped in last minute, but she was super accommodating and lovely. So thank you, Izzy. That was really fun.
0: And I got to say that as it was my first time going into a bridal store, or boutique, I should say, it was quite an experience because, you know, you'd only seen these examples in the movies. I'm not sure what that really set up for my expectations, but as soon as I went in, it was actually quite a lovely little space.
1: Yeah. And
0: it sort of makes me look forward to the time I actually can go in and make that purchase myself rather than just... Just be the Jono who comes along and, you know, does the Jono
1: things. (laughs) And it was cool how I kind of thought that when you would go into a bridal store, they would just throw dresses at you and see what you like. But it was cool to see how Izzy really pinpointed my personality and then picked a dress based off my personality rather than just throwing fabric at me and hoping for the best.
0: It's like wedding dresses meet psychoanalysis almost.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Spot on. (laughs) Okay, so what have we got coming up next episode, Carmina?
0: We'll be looking at things around cheating and how love can be repaid with lies sometimes. So we're taking a bit of a different turn. Going a bit darker. We're going a little bit dark. But come on, these things happen. We should know why they happen, how they happen, and hopefully how we deal with those.
1: Well, thank you for joining us, and hopefully we'll see you again next week on the Cost of Love podcast. Bye. See ya.